0: leadership development company culture and employee engagement these are all timely topics for ceos entrepreneurs hr professionals and business leaders we hope that as you tune in to listen each week whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on itunes or iheart radio that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way and now Here's the host of the Talent Talk radio show, the founder and CEO of People G2,
1: Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to the first show of 2018 for Talent Talk. Really glad to have uh, everyone back here listening and uh, back on the on the show. So we um, had a few, few shows in December, one of which I think we had like 19 times. We couldn't get the person back on the phone, but... Other than that, we had a pretty successful year again. So, you know, if this happens to be your first time in, you know, welcome. We have a lot of cool things to talk about today. Um, You know, I have this incredible opportunity to talk to all these awesome leaders, these incredible thought leaders, people who are doing cool things with culture, with engagement, with leadership, whatever it may be, and hopefully we can... Have a have a conversation and a dialogue here today, where maybe there might be something they're doing or we're going to talk about that you can learn from and and maybe get better at. So, this this show is really designed to give you that opportunity uh, to hopefully be a be a fly on the wall. And if you want to go a little deeper, you can actually um, tweet us questions live or after the fact. We'd love to have you do that, um, and we will certainly answer questions as they come in. Um, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. As I as we've talked about before, but um, you know, most of you come in and get the podcast afterwards. So whether you're on the treadmill at soccer practice for your kids or in the car, that's what people tend to listen to it, either on iTunes or listen to it on iHeartRadio. So whatever device, app, program, uh, thing you can get a hold of, uh, you can find us there. In the last several years, we've been really blessed to have over 10,000 people a day downloading one of those podcasts from the different platforms and a big thank you. Um, you know, before I get to the to my to my guest today i did want to also remind everyone uh my new book the power of company culture is about to go live we're doing a pre-order event here in january so if you're interested in learning more about it about pre-ordering maybe ordering one of the packages we're giving away consulting and webinars and coaching and all these really cool things if you buy 10 or more copies of the book in january uh if you're interested in learning more send me a note help I was, not help excuse me <laughs> that's wrong try how about book at peopleg2.com. Again, book at peopleg2.com. Don't know why I had the help in there. That's probably not going to get you anywhere. Uh, but it will get you the help you need if you go to book at peopleg2.com and send us a note. We'll send you all the information you need. But enough about that. Let's get to my two uh, guests today. Um, I'm going to have on first uh, Adriana Cabre, the Vice Chancellor of Human Resources for National University Systems. And then after the commercial break, we'll bring in Mark uh, Magnaka, the president and co-founder of Allegio. So probably saying one or two of those names incorrectly we'll get to that in a minute Um, but let's go ahead and get started with my first guest uh, Adriana welcome to the show
2: hi Chris thank you thank you for having me
1: oh my pleasure Um, so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh, maybe kind of how you got here and and of course what more importantly what are you doing what's your role what does it look like uh, over at National University
2: so, hi, Chris. You did mention my name correctly, Adriana Cabre. I am um, the Vice Chancellor of Human Resources here at National University System, which uh, the system is comprised of three universities, uh, National University, uh, City, University of Seattle, and JFKU up in the Bay Area. And uh, we're a private, not-for-profit university dedicated for higher ed. Our average student is around 34 years old. So, um to talk about how I ended up here uh, is a long journey over 20-some years and uh, counting in uh, HR. Uh, started my career early in uh, Morola right after college and worked with Morola back when cell phones and uh, prior to cell phones and pagers and everything technology. Uh, it was a big school, big company, uh, lots of investment in people and uh, learned a lot during my 14 and a half years there and um, then moved to California from Florida uh, to help Morola divest uh, some biotech companies back in the day, and I got bit by the biotech bug, and that's how I ended up in San Diego doing HR for a local biotech for diabetes products and was there for uh, eight and a half years until the company sold, and that uh, Ended up uh, staying in, falling in love with San Diego and staying here. And um, a year ago in October, I took the challenge to uh, become the first vice chancellor of human resources for the system. We previously had um, vice presidents and associate vice presidents leading HR. Uh, But the new chancellor that's been here around three years wanted to really do uh, a lot of cultural change and a lot of um, great people, practices, and revamp the whole HR um, practices within the university. And and it's been a ride already for a year, and um, revamping the whole team and putting a lot of uh, recruiting best practices and um, a lot of employee relations and a lot of processes and best practices that I'm bringing from more of the um, corporate world into the higher education, but uh, like I said to people, you know, people are people, and they don't they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and that's what we're trying to really install in and, and the system is how do we become best practice but also employer of choice within a not-for-profit and uh, university higher ed environment.
1: Lots of well, uh, Yeah, it's a lot of stuff there to, to kind of unpack, and uh, I know i really glad that you kind of gave us a good little inter- uh, overview there of some of the different places that you've worked to to kind of understand your perspective. And I, and I love that line, and we, we, we've heard it a couple times on the show before, but it's certainly worth repeating that, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It really is true, especially in this, uh, if you're in a leadership role, an HR role, you're the head of a company, whatever it may be, it, it is a, a huge lesson. Um, yeah, so you, you've had this, you know, long career in HR. Uh, you know, What have been some of the different or maybe bigger challenges um you know, about this role uh, as compared to the others? I mean, what are some of the things maybe different or, 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 or unexpected uh, as you stepped into this role as compared to the other things that you mentioned?
2: Well, uh, it's a different um, overall different environment when you talk about higher ed. You know, you have uh, public uh, universities that take a lot, of, uh, a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of going back and forth and uh, very slow in terms of change. Um, here at National, we are very, very blessed to not have that uh, level of um, super multiple layers to go through. So the flexibility of being able to gather leaders and, and gather areas of expertise that want to, you know, become more innovative and more up there to help the students progress faster is is a, is a lot more nimble. However, you still have the higher education in terms of, you know, it takes time and everything's regulated, and, and we have to make sure that we follow not only the local laws and the federal laws and all of that, but everything that can put our certifications and our programs in, in, in jeopardy. We have to make sure that there's a double and triple check on everything that you're implementing that's not going to jeopardize uh, the the quality of the education and the processes and the financial aid and everything that you provide for the students to uh, get the necessary knowledge and and the check and balances that they have to uh, get their education.
1: And, And as we start here the new year, there's always... Uh, things happening with compliance and laws and mm-hmm. focuses. And so are, are there maybe some specific things that you're really focused in on as we start the new year for for your organization?
2: Well, in California, as we all know, is going all the way from you know the marijuana use to all the way of putting changing tables in the in, in the bathrooms for uh, for the locations that have the necessary requirements to do so. So, and we have another round of minimum wages changes. And, you know, there's a lot of California-based laws that we have to make sure we have them all not only in place, but that we've communicated and that, uh, you know, with immigration, the DACA being uh, forefront and, and, you know, center in front of everything that's happening uh, and is impacting, you know, some of our students and employees. How do we make sure that we have – the necessary communication and the knowledge around what we're doing as as an institution to abide and comply with those laws. Um, You know, it's always, it's always a challenge, but it's always a learning, uh, a learning curve for everybody. And uh, you just have to make sure that you get in front of things and also benchmark with other institutions and other places of work to make sure that how they're doing it. So you're not, you're not doing it wrong when you're implementing changes, but um, HR is always changing. Even though uh, some people see it as a necessary evil, uh, I, I think is uh, HR uh, in, as the next couple of years with the economy, with everything that's happening, with the war on talent, and the changes in in the in, in the composition of of the employee and the workforce and the needs and what their their what they're asking for in order to retain and to stay and to provide uh, high levels of uh, productivity, we have to really be up in front with the leadership to make sure that we provide that flexibility and we pro- provide those programs and provide uh, our employees the right communication and the uh, and the right processes to make things happen in a way that we're still compliant with the law. So it's that balance that's very important to keep, but also bring up the issues and make sure that the conversation is being had
1: right you know one of the things that i was wondering about because your organization is is unique in the sense that so you're not a traditional business and you're also not a a a public university as you mentioned with the different types of structures but you know as, as you look for people to be leaders and you look to develop people and move people forward in their careers how does that look in your organization? Because certainly a lot of your staff are teachers, are professors. They may be um, not necessarily looking to do anything different than what they're doing now. You certainly have support staff. You have administrative staff. So how, how do you go about that idea uh, about making sure that people are developing themselves professionally at, uh, separate from what they're doing from their direct work?
2: So I'm going to answer that in two phases. The the phase the first phase is internally uh, when you talk about um, educators, right? Uh, and the biggest single change in education nowadays is technology and is how you deliver content. Uh, now the content is available pretty much openly. Is how you deliver it and how do you check and balance uh, the knowledge and the learning that's happening. So uh, a lot of the uh, institutions to regulate, like WASC and other institutions, you know, they still have a point system, they still have a way to make sure that you're following protocol and that all your programs are compliant 100%, and that's our number one priority. Uh, We also want to invest in um, how do we take the knowledge and the way we're delivering uh, that that education into a more precise way and one of the things that National University is working on is precision education which is different ways to deliver the content of education to different students in different uh, modalities so in order to be able to do that you have to have a flexible and a uh, highly technical workforce from when it comes to your Uh, full-time faculty and your adjunct faculty that's delivering the content. So we are really ramping up the way that, you know, not only we select and we onboard and we train and we retrain and we also share uh, innovative ways of delivering uh, all this learning that we have and all this content. We have over a 100 degrees between bachelor and master level degrees. So it's it is a challenge because you have to, you know, like the old saying say, you have to teach, you know, the the, the old dog new tricks. But we have such a great uh, and dedicated uh, uh, faculty, and working very close with administration on how do we how do we translate that into the day to day, into the requirements, into the communication, into the processes, and then how do we upgrade our systems and the way we're delivering um, the materials. And, you know, we have a in national university, we have a very innovative model since 1971 around doing it uh, on a monthly basis. So you compress uh, a semester or a quarter into a month-to-month uh, 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 cascading, you know, of, of the courses. So that's very helpful for our, our target audience, which is uh, the working adults because they can kind of get their degrees in a faster, more, more accelerated way. But now we want to think about how do you deliver it in a way that is in the pace of the student, not only around how they learn best, but also what is the best way and modality to, you know, it's not only online by myself, but is it online with a professor that's giving me coaching, or is it online with a group of people in a, in a, a synchronous uh way of delivering the content and then how do you test the knowledge so a lot of great things happening here at national but we also have to bring our our workforce and our faculty and our support and administration and our staff to make sure that we can uh keep up with the technology and keep up with uh, all the changes that were happening so a lot of challenges there but a lot of excitement
1: yeah and so that's one of the big things that you're focused on i know you're also uh uh, an adjunct professor uh, there at UCSD um, and you teach classes on a strategic talent acquisition. Can you maybe give us a little like the, you know, what's the one-on-one version? What are some of the basic concepts of things that people need to do if they want to be strategic at their talent acquisition?
2: I think the most important thing that I tell my students is you have to know the business enough to be dangerous and you have to really ask a lot of questions up front about what is the need in, in the work, the actual work that this person is going to be doing before you even go into start looking for people and start sourcing for the positions that you're going to be helping find. Because if you don't have those really strategic discussions up front, you might have to go two or three or four rounds of looking for people because you're not clear of what you're looking. So being very precise and very inquisitive up front and understanding what the needs are of the business and then how big are your parameters how flexible are you in terms of you know knowledge and requirements and salary and, and location and flexibility of the job all of that and asking the questions in a way that if you're not flexible for example working remotely are you are you are you helping that hiring manager understand that the pool of people that you're going to be looking is going to diminish by half, for example, just to make an example of. So how do you have those very strategic consultative discussions with your hiring managers up front and understand that, you know, even if you're replacing somebody that left the organization, how do you have the discussion uh, to ignite uh, different thinking and different ways of doing the work? And then also as the market gets tighter and tighter and, uh, those people that are applying are kind of calling the shots more than anything right now. Uh, how do you make sure that uh, you're open and up front from the beginning of the interview process about what are your non-negotiables and what, what are the areas that you're flexible? So then you can really, you know, all the other strategic stuff, all the tools or the fun stuff can work very well if you do it, but if you don't have clarity up front, the process of Your whole talent acquisition, your whole uh, recruiting process uh, can become a little bit of a burden rather than a great experience both for the hiring manager and for your candidates.
1: So, you know, it sounds like you have your your hands full in uh, everything you're doing over at National, and then you're also, you know, doing the great work over there as a professor. But I see here that you're also a board member on the, the California Diversity Council, so I'm not sure when you sleep. Uh, or, or have time to do all these things but maybe can you talk a little bit about you know what your work is there and, and, what, and what the Diversity Council is all about
2: so uh, the California Diversity Council is part of the National Diversity Council that just uh, is celebrating its 10th year at the national level we've been around in California for I believe 7 7 or 8 years and uh, the California chapter of course has grown immensely and uh, there are six sub-chapters, so one in San Diego, one in Silicon Valley, one in Orange County, one in L.A., and um, one in Sacramento, and I think I'm missing one, but, you know, all over California, each of the uh, local chapters have strategies around diversity and inclusion uh, uh, areas that they're really motivated and really focused. I'll give you an example. San Diego, we have a very high military presence here, so we really spend a lot of time uh, doing military events, partnering with a lot of other not-for-profits to host and to connect uh, jobs with uh, people in the military and minorities and diversity uh, candidates in the military, Uh, and we host a veterans uh, uh, open forum every year, and, and, and we do that. We also in San Diego have the women in leadership and women in biotech and women in technology. So there's an event about women in leadership that's really um, uh, trying to connect and doing the whole mentoring and uh, networking with women uh, across the San Diego areas about how the Diversity Council can help, um, you know, bring the women and help women help other women in, in the county. And then we also have the Hispanics, which also talks to my heritage. But uh, the Hispanics is another area that we uh, partner with uh, Nashimba, which is the Society for uh, MBAs, uh, Hispanic MBAs, and we also host uh, another uh, annual event in the in the summer with them. So a lot of great things that are done at the local chapters. What we're doing at the um, at the state chapter is to make sure that we have the the one-time-a-year uh, leadership conference. We're, we've grown so much that we have to do one in the north of California and one in the south. Uh, and we are highlighting a lot of the activities that are happening how do we move in the, the needle in terms of diversity and inclusion in the different areas. And then we target a lot of uh, HR professionals like myself and, and other uh, thought leaders that are helping us uh, kind of go into different companies to help not other, not, not, other, not only other HR professionals, but also help uh, our, our populations to provide tools and provide uh, connections and networking for them uh, to get uh, training and, and knowledge for advancement.
1: Well, it's fantastic, and I think all the work you're doing is really great, and I appreciate you taking the time to share that with us here today. Um, you know, one of the questions that we started asking our guests towards the end of 2017 and we're going to continue uh, asking this year, I think, uh, because we've been getting such fun um, answers, is, you know, is there a gadget or an app or, or something that maybe you recently added into your life that you've really been getting a lot of joy out of or maybe um, productivity out of that is something you find really useful that you might share with us?
2: So I, I am a LinkedIn fanatic, right? I do a lot of my... Connections and a lot of the communication and sharing ideas and everything with uh, LinkedIn and uh, with their acquisition into Lynda.com. We utilize that too for a lot of here and there training, half an hour. You know, I need to know something about uh, onboarding or, or something quick that's happening. Lynda.com is a great place to go. But in terms of from a personal perspective, uh, I've been using probably for the last two months, I've been using the uh, Luminosity, which is a brain kind of kind of help your brain to yeah. exercise on your phone so instead of uh spending time in social media with uh, looking at things that you shouldn't be wasting your time in you know how do you exercise your brain so that's been fun for me at least you know you try to do it once a day for like 10-15 minutes and and it's a good tool to uh, have on your phone when you know any downtime you can use to exercise your brain so that's a fun
1: one yeah and i love that app It's uh, it's a good reminder yeah. i've kind of forgotten about it so it's a good reminder to go back and get back into that exercise of some of a lot of fun games. Um, you know, last question. Is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you t- tend to recommend to people that you might uh, suggest to us now?
2: Yeah, so I'm reading, um, and, and you might need to invite me later to talk about this whole subject later, but I'll give you a taste of it. I'm reading <laughs> um, Save the World and Still Be Home for Dinner and this is written by Will Murray. Will Murray is a local uh, thought leader and uh, leadership uh, guru here in, in, out of Encinitas, and he's actually partnered with us here at National University, and we're in the midst of launching an institute for leadership synergy. So Will is a, a women's advocate, and he was the one that took uh, Steve Covey out of the classroom and put him in the boardroom, back in the 80s and has a lot of knowledge and, and uh, leadership expertise with CEOs, with The Gap, Nike, different different companies. And he's been doing a lot of work with uh, women in leadership for the last seven, eight years. So we've been uh, extremely blessed to have him partner, and he's uh, he's the co-founder of the institute, and we're getting ready to launch uh, the Institute here in uh, in the end of this month, in January 30th. So that's like another part-time job. You say I don't sleep. That's like my first <laughs> job here. But right. uh, we've been working in the last six months on not only how do we take all these tools that he has about empowering women, about helping women be, you know, strategic, motivational, ambitious, uh, transformational, relevant, and work on themselves to be ready for positions of leadership but we also have the other side of the coin is about how do we work with men without, you know, marginalizing them, but getting them in the fold and training them about biases and how they can help, how they can test, uh, you know, giving women opportunities and provide and understand the differences and, and embrace those differences, but also understand the similarities and how, how some of the biases can, you know, just by understanding them can help you change the world in your own world. So a lot, a lot that we're doing uh, launching on, on January 30th, and, and like I said, if you, if you want, I can come and just talk about that if you, if you want yeah. to know more about the Institute. It's, it's extremely exciting, and with everything that's going on right now with, you know, the Me Too and, and the Weinstein and everything that's going out there, it's very timely to have these tools available for leaders and for, you know, middle management, you know, first-time supervisors. Uh, both female and male to understand how do we leverage each other and how do we have those tools and those little dead-eye mind tricks to uh, really make things better instead of making it uh, a difficult environment, make it an inclusive environment that we're all working together.
1: Well, Adriana, it sounds like a wonderful book. I'm sure our listeners will want to check it out. And, um, Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Um, sounds like you've got a lot more we can talk about, so we'll definitely want to have you come back and give us an update and maybe go deeper on that. And, of course, if there's anything I can do or the show can do to help you in, with thank what you. you're doing over there at the university, we'd love to be a part of it. So um, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break, and we'll bring in our second guest, uh, Mark Magnaka.
2: Have a good one.
3: Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. If you're uh, just joining us, you missed a great interview with uh, Adriana Cabaret, the Vice Chancellor of Human Resources at National University Systems. You can listen to her interview here in a week or two when we get it all plugged into iTunes and iHeartRadio. Um, we published that. So you can also go to talenttalkradio.com anytime and listen to past shows there as well. Uh, my next guest here for the second half of the show is Mark uh, Magnaka. Is going to tell me if I'm saying his name correctly or not. And also uh, president and co-founder for, I think it's Allegio, but um, we'll find out how much I've screwed it all up. But uh, anyways, Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. It's how
4: clo- great to be how here. Co- so how close was uh, I on all the
1: pronunciations?
4: You were about 50%. So all right. So <laughs> it's it's pronounced Alego, uh, rhymes a leg. with Lego, my ego, Got it. and um, my last name is Magnaka.
1: Magnaka. So I'm was, i I'm pretty close. All right. So, you okay. know, it, it wouldn't be a show if I didn't mess up someone's name or mispronounce something. I could probably mispronounce Smith. Um, so anyways, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, of course, what you're doing over at your company, Alego?
4: Sure. Be glad to. Uh, we are a mobile video sales learning platform. So what that means, Chris, is we're in the business of helping companies harness the same power that YouTube brings in your personal life, in your corporate life. So in the same way so many people today, when they're trying to learn how to do something, they're going to YouTube to watch a short video. The Lego platform helps companies to, in effect, create their own private corporate YouTube where you can learn quickly from your peers or from subject matter experts within your company, and even be certified on product knowledge for things like new product rollouts.
1: Well, that's really cool. So really allowing companies to take advantage of, of course, what has now become the norm in our society for how we learn and interact. But sounds like the key part there is to keep it private, right, keep some of that internal knowledge and things. That's important to the company there and one internally where they can, you know, massage it, manipulate it, turn it on or off, whatever they need to do. Um can you talk about your video knowledge platform as it you know it kind of helps to maybe – is this helping businesses improve their performance? Is it helping them, you know, uh, categorize or cat- catalog their, their knowledge base? What's really the value there?
4: Sure, great question. Well, first of all, you hit the nail on the head uh, to start with, which is, uh, you know, some people, the first question is, well, why wouldn't you just use YouTube? Well, if you think about a big part of the, the theme of so many of the interviews you've done and, and the work that you're doing at G2 – Uh, culture matters, right? I, I know I'm preaching to the choir, and so if you think about the unique processes that exist within a company, the way people go to market, the way they deliver their message, the way they organize their sales process, this is really valuable content. And in fact, most of our customers are in highly regulated industries. I should say many of our customers. They're in financial services. They're in pharmaceuticals. They're in medical devices. And so in those arenas, it's really important that the message is delivered in a way that's compliant, number one, without losing the essence of the message. So there's a whole regulatory element for uh, the, the regulated industries that we work with. And then in high tech, even though there's not a formal regulation or regulatory body, what I can tell you is with big companies like Red Hat and SAP, they take very seriously the way their message is delivered by their sales team. So the ability to scale certification where, say, instead of flying 500 salespeople in to do a two-day meeting where they literally do a stand and deliver, they're now using a Lego to be able to push out a sample video of what good looks like for a new product in four minutes, distribute to everybody, give them a deadline, say Friday at 4 p.m., and then when you've recorded your version of that presentation, your certification, if you will, you tap Submit. Automatically routed to your manager, and then your manager scores it, and they determine, based on uh, a scorecard, whether you passed or failed. If you passed, great. If you failed, you got to do it again. But in doing this, it has saved an enormous amount of time, energy, and money for our customers who were spending all three of those things to try to get people certified.
1: All right. And so obviously, you know, you you focus in on the sales team, and and, and it sounds like a great tool uh, for for those kinds of customer-facing areas. I imagine customer service could be something that would be a great one as well. But, you know, you look at sales teams and generating their ability to produce more through improvements and positively impacting other areas in the company as well. Maybe you could talk about as you work with teams, how have you seen the overall experience of a company, you know, get enhanced or maybe do you see an uptick, uptick in performance in those areas as well?
4: Well, I can tell you the biggest one is a fundamental cultural shift that I've seen at, at the majority of our customers who have implemented a Lego, some of them starting back in 2013, and, and so we're talking coming into their fifth year now with us. Um, and that is a, a, a fundamental cultural shift in the sales organization from what I'll call an individual sport to a team sport. And it's so really wonderful to see this when you see a top performer willing to take, say, two minutes of their time, their precious time to share a quick insight that a junior rep has, uh, that, that a junior rep needs on how to figure something out. So, for example, uh, a junior rep does a demo, and they're, they're asked, uh, now that we've done this demo, um, how do we move to production? And to be able to be a junior rep, and instead of trying to get that senior rep on the phone, to be able to watch a short video where they explain, this is the process I use, this is the language I use, this is how I set the stage for that whole process. And quite frankly, the the, the positive vibes that come uh, from mentoring a younger millennial group of people, and there's sort of this collective win when everyone gets recognized at the you know, the millennial got the sale, but they recognized that, hey, watching the video of John or Jane or whomever it was really helped them in the clutch moment, what we call just-in-time learning.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's a really important factor, um, having the ability to learn, having the ability to, to get that uh, response back on how you're doing, and to be able to see improvement. Those are all kind of feeding into these you know, concepts that people want to help each other. They want to know how they can grow. They want to be able to know if they've done a good job. Um, they want that recognition internally. I mean, there's so many things happening from a basic cultural level that your sounds like your platform is really um, being able to, to help them achieve. Now, I see here in 2014, you concluded your time with uh, Insight Development Group, and then you decided to, to, to found your or co-found your current company, Lego. I, mean, I think I know the answer to this question, but maybe there's more to it here. I mean, what was really the drive behind you starting something new, kind of going out on your own and, and making that happen? Well,
4: it's actually uh, kind of an interesting story because I did not intend to get into the software business. I had a consulting business. I worked primarily in financial services. My background is in financial services as a financial advisor. I had sold my practice, and I started helping other people in the financial services business, financial advisors and intermediaries, to more effectively market their business. And part of that was working to help them improve the message that they were delivering to the market. And so when the iPad came out, uh, a number of the financial services companies I was working with were starting to roll the iPad out in, in 2011, 2012. So by 2013, I realized that the iPad could play an integral role in this ability to capture what a message looked like and then quickly scale it over 100 salespeople or 1,000 salespeople. And to make a long story short, I I brought the idea to um, a good friend of mine whose name is Yu chun Lee, who had a successful software company in the past that he had sold to IBM. And I said, look, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Can you help me find some people who will build an app to do this? And so he actually did a couple calls with me and got some people on the phone. And and when it was over, he said, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I, I think you might be going about this the wrong way. You're trying to build a platform to use your own content to help scale. He said, I think there's a bigger opportunity to build the software platform and help companies to collect their own internal content, which, quite frankly, is often the most valuable, and help them curate that content and maybe, if necessary, pull in some outside content as well. And I said, well, that's actually a really cool idea. The only thing is I really don't know anything about the software business other than I'm a user of it. And uh, he said, well, you know what, I I do. And so there it began. And, um, you know, I'm happy to report that from that start in January of 2013, we we were the fifth fastest-growing software company on the Inc. 500 or the Inc. 5000 even um, that just happened last October.
1: Well, that's fantastic, and we may. Uh, did you attend that, that conference? I and did. I, was, I
4: did. Yeah, I, I think did. That was
1: well. Then we, we were there speak. together. We didn't even know it. So yep. Um, <laughs> that's really great um, uh, that you did. That's a great accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Um, you know, I, kind of, I, I mean, look at all these different ways in which you, you know you're, you guys are really sourcing this. You're making um, all these different things happen inside of you know with your software. Where are you really seeing? Um, uh, the foundations of maybe a cohesive team. Can you talk about how your system or how your program is really able to bring teams together? Sure. You know, if you you
4: think about what makes companies great, it's really the same things that often make athletic teams and, and even large institutions like religions great. They have certain shared beliefs. They often have their own private language that if you're not part of the initiated, you don't know about. And what what we've discovered is that when we originally uh, created this, the idea was to help our customers deliver a more consistent message. But what we found is that now it's it's really transcended into a, a lot of other things that deeply affect the culture of a company. And and some of those include the idea of, for example, imagine this, Chris, you join a company and um, you're a salesperson. You might not meet the rest of the sales team until your national sales meeting in January. You might have just started in March. So it's going to be nine months before you really meet anybody other than the one man or woman who maybe rode with you for a week or let you ride with them, and then your manager. But imagine being able to log into your iPad on this app and quickly look at the three best top salespeople by channel in your company and watch the way they do their introductory conversation, the way that they present the product, the way they do demos. Think of the confidence that it gives you. And then and then ultimately what happens is when these people meet at the national sales meeting, there's this whole connection that says, well, you know, actually I saw you on your video, and um, as a matter of fact, that video helped me. We're even starting to see companies who are incenting their sales teams and it's, it's not so much that we're paying you to do it. It's more that we're recognizing and rewarding that, Chris, your video was watched a 1,000 times last year, and we're giving you a $1,000 bonus just to say thank you for the work that you've done and, and bring you up in front of the audience to say that, hey, you've you spent some time doing these short videos, two minutes, three minutes, uh, and, and here's what's happened among the rest of the team. So I think it's, it's a really interesting way of helping to bring a cohesiveness to a group of people who often aren't spending a lot of face-to-face time the way that a traditional office setting
1: might happen. And, and you know, you're talking about rewarding people and you're, uh, and having the opportunity to see some of the best of the best. Do, do you ever have to or do your clients ever have to deal with people who are, you know, not, not so generous, aren't, aren't givers, and don't want to record things and don't want to show anybody their secrets? I mean, do you have to, to fight against that sometimes?
4: For sure. I mean, I think that's what I mean, that the cultural shift has gone from the lone wolf to the team sport. So, you know, selling was an individual sport. People wanted to sort of hoard their ideas and information. But I can tell you that most of the enterprise sales teams that we work with, they recognize that's not how it works anymore. There's technical salespeople. There's relationship managers. There's customer success people. It really is a team sell. And in most cases, you're presenting to a team of people as well. So the idea that um, that you're going to just do everything by yourself and keep everything to yourself, there's, a, there's sort of a beautiful business karma that plays out there. Because if you do that, then what happens is in the clutch moment when you need help, uh, there's there's nobody there to help you. So we, we kinda kind of explain uh, this along the lines of uh, when you go into a convenience store and there's a little jar there with a the pennies, You know, put a penny in if, if you have one and take a penny if you need one. That, that's the cultural concept, uh, a willingness. And sometimes it certainly takes a little bit to grease the skids when you start. But if you see the, the number one salesperson who's been tapped on the shoulder by the president of the company say, hey, we're rolling this thing out. We'd like you to record two or three of these videos to help set the stage on this. It's obviously an honor for that person. Plus, they're getting some exposure to the rest of the senior management team. And it, it just has this interesting trickle-down effect the answer is yes we've seen it it has been a problem but it's becoming less and less of a problem as we move you know from 2017 into 2018 than say it was when we first started in 2013
1: absolutely well um you know one of the things that we started asking um our, our guests uh this year um is is there a gadget or an app or maybe something you've started using that you have found really you know um helpful or make you more productive or just maybe just fun uh that you might share with us
4: sure sure well so i had uh, installed the nest thermostat in our house um about a year ago and i really like it because of being able to say come home from the airport and turn the thermostat up living in boston and you know the temperature was zero degrees when we landed recently and you know the house was like 68 when we walked in and that's because we turned it up before we got here but the, but the new thing that I just got from them that absolutely is an amazing product is the Nest camera. Are you familiar with that?
1: No. Tell me, tell me more.
4: It's a $199 camera, Chris. The, the best part to me about this was how simple it is to set up. You literally take it out of the box, you plug it in the wall, and you take a, uh, I, um, you download the app. And you take a picture of the barcode on the side of the box, and it literally sets itself up. You type in your, your Wi-Fi password. And then in my case, I was traveling, and instantly I have a camera on in my house. I didn't have to do a complex uh, security. I didn't have to have the security people do all that. I was able to install this myself and be away and literally look not only in my house to see what was going on when I had some work, uh, a workman doing some, some work there, but more than that, and, of course, I told him that it was there. I said, you know, the thing with the green light on, that's what's going on here. Because um, that's a big part of the protocol is teaching people the communication that you have to use around these kinds of tools. But what was really cool was being able to scroll back in time and watch it over, you know, kind of uh, as the sun was setting and the sun's coming up, being able to quickly see what happened in your house. So i got to say, I think this this is an example of one of those Internet-connected devices that more and more people will have um, as the price continues to drop.
1: Well, it certainly would let me know which one of my dogs is causing the problems at our house. So that <laughs> <might be> a... <laughs> There's
4: some great videos on YouTube of just that kind of thing.
1: <laughs> well, uh, the other question we'd love to ask our guests, is there a book that you're reading right now or one that you often uh, suggest people take a look at?
4: Yeah, well, I can tell you that uh, for entrepreneurs, um, it's an older book, but, man, it's still a great book, and it's a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I've given lots of copies of that away to... Uh, burgeoning entrepreneurs and one that I just finished reading is uh, the, a book called House of Morgan by Ron Chernow who's an amazing biographer who's written Alexander Hamilton and, and several other great books I've been listening to him on uh, audible and it's it's literally like a 40hour book to get through the whole book but I find that when you listen using audible I could be waiting in line at, at an airport or something like that and, and just keep you know, listening to five minutes or eight minutes or ten minutes at a time and you know, over the course of uh, a month or so, I've I've finished what is a pretty big book, and I, I tend to remember the content by listening to it that way. So it's been really terrific.
1: Yeah, and I would agree because uh, I I really I really love uh, Audible. It's allowed me to to really. Um you know go deeper with books and 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 do them more because i think you know it's harder to carry around a book sometimes if you're on the road a lot doing things we've spent a lot of time sitting and um if you don't have it with you then um you lose that chance and i don't know about you but i tend to fall asleep sometimes if i'm reading but i listen to a book i can listen all day so yeah it's fantastic i
4: listen to several of your podcasts on on itunes it's sort of the same thing just using the podcast app like bang i could punch right through a few of them to uh, to get a better understanding of exactly what you do.
1: Right, absolutely. Well, you know, you, you, you've talked about a lot of uh, great things here today. Is there anything, um, you, you know, if someone was only listening to one one bit of it, if someone only remembered one thing you talked about today, what, what's the most important thing you want people to go back and remember?
4: The most important thing is this. The way people learn has changed. And if you're using three-ring binders and flying people in, doesn't sit in the classroom for hours on end and drink from a fire hose, you're missing the boat. The way that YouTube works is really the way people learn now, short, bite-sized videos. And whether you use a Lego or something else, that's the model of the future as it relates to how people, not just millennials, but millennials right up to 60-year-olds, that's how they are learning now when they want to know something new. Why not harness that for your business?
1: Well, how can people get a hold of you or learn more about uh, ALEGO?
4: Take a look at the website. It's uh, A-L-L-E-G-O, ALEGO.com. Uh, I've got some great videos up there. Um, my co-founder was recently featured in the uh, the New York Times in the corner office section, talking all about the, uh, the operating principles of, of our company. And um, there's a whole bunch there that gives you some different viewpoints from different industries on how they're using mobile video technology to transform their businesses.
1: Well, Mark, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. really uh, learned a lot and uh, enjoyed having you here. Hopefully we can have you or your partner or both of you guys come on and give us an update uh, down the road and on, on how you're doing.
4: Great, Chris. Good. Pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for inviting me.
1: All right. Next week we'll have uh, two more great guests lined up with Carol Anderson, principal at Anderson Performance Partners, and then Scott Wintrip, Windtrip Consulting Group. Apparently, we're having all people on who have their name in their company name. So, anyways, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
0: You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People
3: G2.